Okay, we're studying uh, <clears throat> John's Gospel, chapter 3. John's Gospel, chapter 3. Um, one of the things that I'm impressed with when I read this passage is the fact that uh, <clears throat> here's a man who's a ruler in Israel, and he doesn't have a clue what's really going on. A very educated man and did not have a clue uh, concerning how a person can go to heaven. Uh, not much of a leader. And it sort of reminds me of what's going on right now in this country when you watch the news, it's some of the most discouraging news you'll ever see. Our United States Congress uh, <clears throat> and what's going on up there by that little group that you hope is going to have some insight into what needs to be done. We call them Republicans. And... Um, what we're seeing a, a, a good number of Republicans doing in the United States legislature, uh, as far as I'm concerned, verges on treason. It's, just, it's amazing to me that the Democrats hate doing what's right, or excuse me, the Republicans hate doing what's right so much that they would actually turn the House over to the leadership of the Democrats. That's amazing to me. And uh, the, the hatred, the vitriol against uh, uh, Jim Jordan is just, is just shocking. And so as I was reading, rereading uh, John chapter 3 and, and noticing the profound ignorance of this man, that problem is still with us. And it, it's so discouraging. As a matter of fact, it, it, I got a, a number of emails from uh, Dr. Gary Webb and uh, his son Spurgeon, and, and uh, they were talking about these things and how shocking it is and discouraging it is that our nation is in the fix that it's in. The hatred against Donald Trump and what's being done to him, the warfare that's going on in Washington is unbelievable. But I thought I would just say just a few things about it to sort of give perspective to what the Bible says is going to be, what's going to happen in the last days. This Bible right here, addresses what's going on. It sure does. And what I'm going to say is not altogether that new either because I, I have spent, I think it was seven years, somebody said, teaching the book of the Revelation. And I want to put some of that in perspective and the significance of spending all that time on the book of the Revelation. Um, but there's 
several key things that we need to pay attention to. And I want to say these things before we get into the substance of this third chapter. Um, I think the primary thing that we need to be looking at and remembering is what's been taught in this church concerning Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. Because this is God Almighty telling us what it's going to be like in the last days. And it's going to unfold right in front of our eyes, and the generation that sees it is not going to pass away until all is fulfilled. The Bible is very clear about that. Well, and we're not going to go back and study, as we've done in the past, the details of chapters 38 and 39. Of course, 37 is the Valley of Dry Bones. That was Israel coming back as a nation. The question was to the prophet, can these dry bones live again? And uh, it was a picture of Israel coming back to life after being dispersed throughout the world for 2,500 years. And with God, all things are possible, and that's exactly what happened in 1948. Well, as you get into Ezekiel 38 and 39, if you go back and study it carefully, you will see over and over, especially with the last verse of chapter 38, the Lord makes a point that they shall know, the heathen are going to know that I am the Lord when I do this thing that I'm going to do. Because Russia is going to invade the Middle East. The Bible is very clear about it. Anybody that wants to know about the situation with Ukraine, you can't get it right if you do not know and believe the scriptures. Russia is not going to be defeated by the Ukrainians with the aid and all the aid of the rest of the world coming together. The United States can do what it wants to with its money. We cannot prevent the invasion of Russia concerning the Middle East. The reason I know that is because God said it. He said it. They're going to invade. They have as allies, the Arab world. The Arab world are the allies of Russia. And for years, they've been supplying munitions to the Arabs to fight against Israel. Why? Because they have a strategic interest in the Middle East, primarily because of the surrounding seas like the Mediterranean, uh, the Suez Canal, uh, uh, the Red Sea, the connection, the trade routes and trade capabilities through those areas. And then on the back side, you know, around Arabia, you've got the Black Sea and the seas on that side. Well, whoever controls the Middle East is going to be one powerful uh, uh, force in, in the world. Well, God has given the earth a capital 
a central focus point, and it's Jerusalem. It's, it's Israel. And this is where the eye of God is focused and has been for all throughout Scripture. Well, we need to focus on the same thing, too, because if your eyes are not focused on Israel, you will not understand the last days. You will not understand God's program from Genesis to Revelation. You have to keep your eyes on Israel and how the other nations of the world are related to Israel. How are they thinking about it? Well, the way Russia is thinking about it is they're going to conquer it. They think they are. And they're going to invade with the aid of the Arabs. Well, the whole world has got a problem with the Arab world because that's where your Hamas is coming from, your terrorists are coming from, Iran, those places. Uh, and the whole world is in jeopardy because of that mindset and that mentality and hatred against the Jew. Well, there's two groups of people that are despised in the world. It's the Jews and Christians. The only two things in the whole world that is hindering the global movement and the new world order objective is Christians and Jews. That's what it is. And so Russia wants to be the head honcho when it comes to the new world order. Adolf Hitler wanted to be the head honcho when it came to the new world order. The Japanese wanted the same thing. Everybody wants the same thing, but they want to be the controllers of the whole world. But the Bible says the day is going to come. There's going to be a movement to establish the new world order. But it will not work, and the reason it will not work is because it's like trying to mix iron and clay. And they don't mix. And so you got all these differing cultures in the world, and they do not mix. Well, the thing that is causing it not to mix, to a great extent, is uh, Christianity and Judaism. That's what's causing it not to mix. And so in the New World Order, guess what they're going to try to get rid of? those elements that do not allow it to mix Christians and Jews. And so as everybody pushes toward the new world order, they've got to get rid of what's causing the division. And this is to a great extent what's causing the division. Well, if you get rid of Christianity, now think about it. If you get rid of Christianity and Judaism, what's left? There is but one thing left, secular humanism, secular humanism, atheism. That's the only thing that's left. What in the world? We've been coming to this church for years, and we ought to understand these things. When the Antichrist goes into the temple of God declaring himself to be God, what is that a representation of? Secular humanism. Man as God. That's what it's representative of. And so I'm telling you that 
to get rid of what God says causes the New World Order to not come together, the iron and the clay that cannot mix, the thing that's causing it not to mix is Judaism and Christianity. That's it. And so there's been a push in our United States Congress to squelch out Christianity. We have outlawed God from our educational institutions. Uh, the United States Congress is, uh, is uh, uh, trying to rewrite the Constitution, get rid of it as an antiquated document that does not fit this modern age that we're living in, so we got to have another Constitution. Why? Because the foundation of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution is this book right here. Got to get rid of it. That's what's preventing the new world order. It's Christians and Jews. And so Ezekiel 38 and 39, uh, especially the 39th chapter, is repeated over and over and over again in there that the Lord is going to supernaturally intervene because the world is going to be experiencing its darkest hour when Russia invades. And the whole world is going to look at what's going on and say, what can we do? What can we do? Well, what is America going to do about it? I can tell you, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, you want me to tell you what causes, I think, Russia to move? And I think it's going to be very soon. You know what's going to trigger everything? Is what we see going on in Washington, D.C. on the news on a regular basis. It's when you, you watch Joe Biden representing America. What does the whole world think about America today because of that man? because of the Democratic Party and the rhino Republicans, what do they think? They think we're a joke. They sure do. Russia is beginning to think that America is weak and it's a joke to think that we are gonna somehow or other, with all of our division, gonna come together and, and stop them I mean, we, we've got the message spread throughout the whole world. We're a bunch of fools. We're spending, we're spending our, our treasury, giving it away to all of these foreign countries. Who are we giving it to? The Arabs. The Arabs. Uh, supposedly, we're investing a little something now over in the Middle East. But the bulk of the money since Obama that has gone across the pond has been to help our enemies, our enemies. And Russia just looks at America as being a bunch of fools. And to a great extent, that's what we've done is played the fool ever since the Obama era.
to this very day, except for one little bump in the road that's called Donald Trump in 2016. Boy, that put a reversal on things, and the world started paying attention to America again. Sure did. But now what's going on? Donald Trump. Our judicial system, our nation despises what he represents because our nation despises our heritage and what actually made America great the first time. And it wasn't a dollar bill that did it. It was a way of thinking. That's what made America great again. You don't see anything about money being what caused the American Revolution to be victorious. There's no mention of money. As a matter of fact, it was done by people who were very poor, very much outnumbered. And so how do you attribute the victory that was won against the greatest power on the face of the earth at the time, the British Empire? Well, it was a way of thinking. What way of thinking? Well, this book right here. Founders of this country believe so much in this book and the wisdom that comes from it. They built the whole system of government around this book. That's right. And this became a Christian nation. And just as sure as we're here today, Ben Franklin, regardless of people's view of him, said it exactly right. He said, you've got a constitutional republic if you can keep it. And the only way you're going to keep it is keep that way of thinking upon which it was founded. And that battle we've lost. And it began with Darwin continued into the 20s, 25 was when the uh, Scopes trial took place, the big contest over whether creation or rather evolution could be taught in the public education system. And then in our lifetime, when I was going off to college, I ran into pure humanism. My whole educational experience was in pure humanism. As the greatest and largest church developed right before our eyes, and we didn't even know it, didn't even know how to say that's what it was. But the religion of America changed from Christianity, Bible-based Christianity, to secular humanism secular humanism and the idea that there is no God and practical atheism took over this nation to the point to this very day preachers in churches all over America will not stand in the pulpit and condemn the largest anti-God atheistic church system in the world, 
And it's right here in front of us, going on all around us. At all the colleges, all the elementary schools, secondary schools, all over America are anti-God to the core. And we can't figure out where these people are coming from up there in Washington that are against America and our founding and what Ben Franklin warned about. You have a constitutional republic based on the Bible, if you can keep it. Well, we haven't kept it. Well, in John chapter 16 and verse 13, the Lord is developing what he began to talk about to the disciples in the 14th chapter. And that was the fact that he was going to leave, but he was not going to leave the disciples alone. He said, I'm going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with you. And he's going to be in you. And what he said in the 16th chapter and the 13th verse is that he will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. Okay, that's what we're talking about at the early part of this message this morning is the last days. And what do we know about it? Well, the Bible says you're going to know everything you need to know about it. When you get into the Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, very important verse. I've spoken about this many times in this church. I'm going to repeat it to you again because I'm telling you, if you don't mark these things down and think about it, you're not going to get it. But the disciples came to him another time asking him just before he ascended into heaven, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? And he told them. He said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons and that kind of power that's reserved to the Holy Spirit alone. The Holy Spirit alone. So you want to know when I'm, when I'm coming back, and you don't have that power. But then he said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, in the second chapter of Acts, the Holy Spirit was given. And when the Holy Spirit was given, they were given the power to know the times and the seasons. It's just as simple as it can be when you read it and think about it. In the 16th chapter of John's Gospel, in verse 13, it plainly tells us, Jesus Christ plainly, plainly tells us that he will show you things to come. Okay? The disciples come to him. They say, Lord, would you show us things to come? Uh, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age, of the end of the world? We we'll see that in Matthew 24 and Luke chapter 21 
it, it's just as plain as it can be. They're, they go to the Lord and ask him about the signs of the times. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he's telling us, telling us that at Pentecost, they're going to be enabled by God to know the times and the seasons. Something that cannot be known by anyone but the Holy Spirit. But where is the Holy Spirit? Is he in heaven? No. He explained it in John chapter 14. He will be with you and he will be in you. John chapter 14. He will be with you and he will be in you. Okay. If the Holy Spirit is in us and we're sitting here at Calvary Memorial Church today and where is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible tells us. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And so he's with us, but we also understand from the scripture that he is in us. Okay, so here I am, a Bible teacher. I'm standing up here teaching the Bible. What do I know about the last days? Well, some people might think that Bible teachers and preachers and evangelists and so forth do not know anything about the last days specifically. That is absolute ignorance of Scripture. That's, that's unbelief of Scripture. We are supposed to know the times and the seasons. And that's as clear as it can be in Scripture. And so when we look out around us at what's going on today, what do we observe that's consistent with what God has to say? Because our responsibility is to read the Bible and believe what it says. And God says, okay, when it comes to the times and the seasons, this is what you're to look for. Ezekiel 38 and 39. Russia is going to invade. Russia is not going to be defeated by the Ukrainians. And anybody who thinks they're sending money over there or people over there or anything else over there to prevent that does not believe the Bible. I'm telling you that this book, the way it's written, is written in stone. Nothing can change it. It's going to happen. How can we rest our eternal souls on Scripture just when it comes to the simple plan of salvation and then not invest our whole being in every word of prophecy, every word of it. It's as certain as the doctrine of eternal security for our souls. Russia is going to invade the Middle East, no doubt about it. When he does, when they do, the Arab world is going to be destroyed with Russia by God. 
And it's going to be such a massive destruction of that global effort that the whole world will know. All the heathen nations will know, the Lord said, that I am the Lord. They're going to know that God did it. And that's the reason the Lord does it the way he does. It's because God always shows up when man is totally without hope. Totally. And so the light of his glory shines the brightest in the darkest hour. And that darkest hour is upon us right now. The whole world is cringing with what's going to happen next. We shouldn't be. We should not be cringing because we know who's in control. And the one that's in control is the one who can tell the future and wrote it in a book several thousand years before it would even happen. And so we're in that generation that's going to see it happen. And so the big question is, as we look at the global scene today, what is going to cause Russia to move? I believe that we can see it. America right now is as weak as it can be. We are absolutely on the verge of insanity with what we're allowing to happen in this country. What we have allowed Joe Biden to do in the Democratic Party and the rhino Republicans, many Republicans right along with them, we've opened up our borders and 170 different nations are represented in this immigration. And along with it has come terrorists, the drug trade, and we wonder what in the world is going on? Killing thousands and thousands of our own population every year, thousands. More than died in the Vietnam War. And what are we doing about it? We're just sitting back just hoping somehow or other that our Congress is going to get it together or that something's going to happen to get Donald Trump back in there, turn things around. But why is all this happening? I think the reason it's happening, if you'll think about it, it's going to be the very thing that causes Putin to say, now is the time. Do you think he's going to wait until 24? What is the prospect of Russia invading if Donald Trump were elected president of the United States with what he's saying he will do? He will make America great again. Do you think that Russia would invade the Middle East if America was really great right now? I don't think so. Now, I'm just talking. I don't know everything. 
But I believe that I've got scripture to support what I'm telling you right now. I sure do. I believe that I have the signs of the times supporting what I'm telling you right now, and I don't know how anybody can say it's not true. I don't know anybody, even among politicians, that can say, Dwight Creech, you don't know what you're talking about. America is still the most powerful nation on the earth. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The power of a country begins with the leadership. And we ain't got it. We ain't got it. We've got foolishness beyond imagination going on when it comes to leadership in this country. It's a disgrace, an absolute disgrace. We're the most vulnerable we have ever been in the history of this nation. And we've allowed terrorist cells to come into this country. And we're not being told the truth about what's going on. We have no government. We essentially have no law in this country. It's amazing how sick this country is. It's amazing. Now, do you think the world doesn't know it? When we, right here, citizens of America, know it? Where are these thoughts coming from that you're hearing this morning? <laughs> I'm an American citizen. I lived here for 78 years. I look at what's going on. And I'm telling you, I believe that the, the most encouraging thing that you and I can do is open this book and start reading this book and get our hearts encouraged because uh, God is involved in every detail of what's going on, including the weakness of America right now. Including the weakness of America. Now, there's two things that I think uh, we need to focus on when it comes to knowing the end times. The Lord tells us that the work of the Holy Spirit will be that of showing us things to come. Now, I want to show you something you might not have thought about, but maybe you have. The Apostle John was the one that God used to give us John's Gospel. In John's Gospel, John is being used by God to tell us that the Holy Spirit is going to be given to us for the express purpose of showing us things to come. Okay? John also gave us 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But what else did he give us? The Revelation. Okay, think about it. What is the book of the Revelation about? It's about things to come. That's what it's about from cover to cover. Now, I want you to just flip over to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. 
And um, and I want you to look with me at verse 16. Revelation 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, the Creator God, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. These things in the churches. What things? Things to come. The whole book of the Revelation, folks, is an answer to the disciples' question. When are you going to come back? The Lord tells us as plain as it can be said, uh, I'm going to give you the comforter in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel. And in the 16th chapter, he tells us what he's going to do. He's going to show you things to come. The same John writes a whole book on it. Things to come. It's called the Revelation. And here we see all of this information that we are supposed to be able to look out roundabout in the world today and with our eyes see these things coming to pass right before our eyes. Well, think about it. If Russia invades and God destroys them, along with the allies, the Arab world, which involves all the terrorists, the Hamas, and all this stuff. If he does that, then what is going to prevent Israel from building the temple? Nothing. Nothing. And they're going to have three and a half years after that invasion, where God intervenes and destroys Russia and the allies, they're going to have three and a half years to completely finish the temple. Just three and a half years. That has to be the case because in 1,260 days, the Antichrist is going to go into the temple of God declaring himself to be God. Well, he can't go into the temple if it's not there. They cannot build a temple until something has been done to the Arab world. When is God going to do something to the Arab world? When Ezekiel 38 and 39 takes place. That's when he's going to do something about it. Folks, it's right here in the Scripture. If what I'm saying is not the case, then show me in the scripture where it's not the case. I, I've looked at it so many times, I, I cannot ever come up with a different conclusion. We're looking at the signs of the times unfolding in front of our eyes right now. How do you understand um, Revelation chapter 11, how can it be that the whole world can celebrate and throw a Christmas party exchanging gifts over the death 
of the two witnesses. In the 1800s, there's not a preacher in any pulpit that can have an audience understand the way we can how that would be possible. But today, we're surprised that little children would not understand the answer to that if they got a cell phone. We have the technology right now that the whole world, no matter where you are, if you're on the North Pole or the South Pole, China, America, we can see what's going on on the whole globe in real time with those satellites that go around the earth. No one could have understood these things but this generation. And here I am at 78 years old and a large part of my life and I can, folks, I can remember when there was no one had a TV and no one had a telephone. I can remember that. I sure can. I can remember when farmers plowed with a mule. And I was in that generation that saw the phasing out of mules. And I can remember it. And the bringing in of tractors. I saw it with my eyes, I sure did. And I have seen with my eyes that period of time that we supposedly put a man on the moon, started sending these satellites up into space. I didn't understand it when it was going on. I just, you know, bumping along like everybody else, not paying much attention to what was going on. But God was involved showing us what was going on in his word. And in Revelation chapter 11, he tells us in such plain language, I don't see how anybody could miss it. You cannot understand Revelation chapter 11 without thinking about this world of technology that we're living in right now. Then you get to the 13th chapter. You go down to Walmart, folks, They've already got these uh, checkout places where you go through and you check out. And we're still using cash a little bit here and there. But most people are using that card, using that card. And we're being conditioned every day to get rid of cash altogether. And I'm telling you, the world is not going to be resistant to getting rid of the cash they're going to see it as being easier, more convenient. It's going to end all the bank robberies and the theft and all this stuff that's going on. There's so many good things about it. And we will not know until the fence that has been built around us and the gate with the big lock on it is slammed shut. We won't realize what's going on but it's total control of every single person on the face of this earth. That's what it's all about. And it's happening. 
It's happening. And so, um, I think that what we need to be thinking about here very seriously is uh, witnessing to everybody we can possibly witness to. Getting a grip on what our future is going to be about, what we're going to be involved in. And thanking God every day for Calvary Christian School and Sermon Audio. And getting the message of this truth out to a world that doesn't have a clue. Any more than Nicodemus had a clue of what was going on in his day. His eyes began to be opened up and he began to see. But he didn't have a clue why Jesus Christ would even come into the world. He didn't have a clue about the um, precious blood that would have to be shed. There's so many things I, I, I want to talk about. We, we've got about seven minutes or so left. I want, to, I want to mention a couple of things to you out of this little book right here. I told you Oh, some time ago that I had some books in my office written by a man that's so smart I could never really understand it. It's Einstein. And I, I have picked up, a couple, I've got a couple of books that I've kept over the years. I've had them for quite, quite a long time and I, every once in a while I open them up and read a little bit of it because I can't, I, I, I do not have the brain power really to even understand so much of what's in these little books, but this little book right here I've had for years is called Secret. And uh, the the thing is is written by K.T. Keller. K.T. Keller. He was he was actually the president of the Chrysler Corporation. And I, I think it was written 1947, best I can tell, 1947 is when this little book was written. And, and K.T. Keller, president of the Chrysler Corporation, it, it was Chrysler that had access to uranium. And they would be the major players in the Second World War in the creation of the atomic bomb that was in the war. Do you know who the two main thinkers were when it came to putting together the atomic bomb that was in that war? It was Albert Einstein and Oppenheimer. Do you know who, anything about their background? Well, they were Jews. They were Jews. And in one of the darkest hours of the world, when the Axis powers were trying to take over the world, Germany, Italy, and Japan, those were the Axis powers. They're going to try to take over the world. 
And in the darkest hour of our American history or world history, it was a World War II, World War, World War, darkest hour. God raised up two groups of people to change everything. And if my memory is right, and some of you that know more about history than I do, I think it was in May of 1945 that Germany surrendered. And it was in August 1945 that Japan surrendered. And there are two groups of people in the darkest hour that God used to change the world for good. Christians and Jews. It was the Christians that were primarily responsible for defeating, defeating the Germans. It was Dwight Eisenhower. It was a Christian nation that, that got busy and got involved. And we had the Normandy invasion and the tremendous sacrifice that this nation made and England made in defeating evolutionists, German Nazism, atheism. That's what Germany was all about, wasn't Christianity. It was atheism. And, and what, did, what, did, what did Hitler hate? Hated the Jews. But what else did he hate? Christians. Christians. And he destroyed the Christian churches. And he destroyed the Jews. Why? Because, those, listen to me again, the two things that prevent the new world order is Christians and Jews. If you get rid of them, what have you got? You've got a new world order. It's called secular humanism. It's what's taught in all the public schools around about. All of them. All of them. Secular humanism. And so God raises up Jews by the name of Einstein and Oppenheimer, and there were many others, not just Jews, but there were others, but the Jews were the primary ones that gave us the victory over the Japanese with the creation of the atomic bomb. Where did they get that wisdom? Where did they get that wisdom? Well, in this little book right here, this is a fascinating little book, and again, there's a lot of it that I, I can't understand. But I'm going to read you a little section out of here that's just fascinating to me. And this is what Keller says. This, these are his words. 
No one has ever seen an atom, let alone a proton, a neutron, or an electron. This is far beyond the power of the strongest existing microscope. And if science often has been wrong in the past, why should we believe what, is now, what it now says about something no one can see, feel, taste, or smell? Well, no Jap is in a doubting mood. The atomic bomb should be its own proof to a layman for it began with deductions no one could prove by any of the senses. Acting on these theoretical assumptions, science put the bomb together, prevented it from exploding in the process, exploded it at the desired moment, got exactly the result it had foreseen. Now that's an amazing thing. So Keller is basically saying that it's not human understanding that gave us the atomic bomb. So the question is, how then did they create the atomic bomb? And the Bible tells us. It's right there in Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2. It also teaches us the same thing in Proverbs. Let's, let's turn to Proverbs right quick. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And verse 13. I'm not even going to get into the message I'm supposed to have for you this morning. This is sort of, I just felt compelled to say these things this morning. Verse 13. Is it okay? I'm appreciating it. All right, okay. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that, re that retaineth her. And so... The question is, where, where did Einstein and Oppenheimer get the wisdom to design the atomic bomb? Well, I'm telling you that, it, that, that Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 1 and chapter 2 tells us, comes from God. He is the source of all knowledge and wisdom and understanding. He's the source of it. Why does it use the feminine gender here? Because God gave this wisdom to a woman. Who was the woman? It was his wife, the Jew. The Jew is the one that received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. 
It was the Jew that then had the pillar and ground of truth. Then you get into the New Testament. Who is the she that is the pillar and ground of truth? It's the church. That's why it uses the feminine gender. It's because if you want to know wisdom, go to the church. Go to Calvary Memorial Church. Go to Berean Baptist Church. Go to Calvary Baptist Church up there in Carborough, Dr. Gary Webb. Go to the church and you will have access to this wisdom that has been given to the bride, the church, so that we can see things to come. Things to come. And so... I wish we had more time to jump into this. I'm telling you, this is a fascinating little book. I don't know whether you can get it now on um, Amazon or not. I didn't look to see. I've had that thing for years. Uh, I think our time is gone. Oh, wow, it is gone. I'm sorry. Benny dismisses, brother. Father, we're grateful so much for the opportunity to have been here this morning. We do pray that you would help us to understand the things that you've given us and to know that you have showed us in your word, in your word, the things that must shortly come to pass. We pray that you would help us to uh, be attentive to the things we hear, that we might be able to discuss them with others, to help them to see their knowledge of the truth. Pray that you'd help us to, today to honor you. We thank you for our pastor. Pray that you're given the words we need in this next hour. We ask in Jesus' name.